I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing 10 years. So we have Paddy Cunningham coming up on the show today, lads. Antrim, uh, corner forward, very, very good player. In 2009, Paddy Cunningham scored 11 points against Tyrone in an Ulster final. Five from play. Nothing, nothing shabby about that. He f- retired when he was 28. Said, well, he didn't retire. He was going to take a year out when he, when he was 28. Took a year out. A year out turned into six. Um, Lenny Harbison, the interim manager, got back onto him this year. So he's made his comeback at 34. And he's not just 34 in the last uh, month. He's 35 this year. So there's hope for us all, Ger. We might we might see you back here, Ger. Like I mean, this I, year just a year out of yeah. Vincent's, are you? I never owe fifty with her, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> Neither did I. I, I said I'm still I, waiting for the call. <laughs> <laughs> Keep getting overlooked here, Ger. Yeah, yeah. Don't we? Like this is a joke. So yeah, he's battling Crohn's disease as well. So like I mean, keep listening um, to that interview. He's a very impressive and very impressive fella. Um, so that's coming up in part two. Do I want to start here is with DCU, Jared, the, mm. the enemy won their first in five years. I was surprised to read that. Like, I mean, they had they dominated for a good few years because I suppose they've given out about 150 scholarships and no one else could compete with them. So how did they fall off? The How are they only winning their first in five now? I started working in UCD about five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, UCD took over. And UCD couldn't win one for years then as well, couldn't you? I think it was 20 years um, between UCD's last one in 1996 and the one we won in 2016. Now, a lot of things happen. You get a good crop of players come in at one time. You had Stephen Cohen from AO, you had Jack McCaffrey, Conor McCarthy, Paul Mannion, a uh, host of other names, Jack did, Barry as well. Did all you those increase guys. your scholarships or did you, was it just a good crop of lads? Just a good crop of lads came right. in. Uh, depending on the educational institution, we could be here all day um, and the strategy that the university would employ to build the profile of the, of, of, of the college. UCD was certainly well established going back to 19, sorry, 18, 
80 something and it's very much academic based so it's quite difficult to get into UCD and the number of scholarships we we, we would have is 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 limited because it's a holistic approach to, to sport other universities uh newer universities would have had to think outside the box and um, something that UC, DCU have done uh, extremely well in fairness to them is they put a lot of uh, emphasis on the development of, of, of Gaelic games and athletics over the last 10-20 years and but is it fair that everyone on the DCU team can be on a scholarship when that doesn't apply to another college it doesn't bother me right it, 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 it's for the rest of us to try to match what they're doing as best we can yeah uh, financially every team doesn't have the same resources so Again, we have to think outside the box. How can we generate team spirit? How can we uh, improve our own tactics and preparation of teams? So I've never bothered with those type of things. Right. Um, money will only get you so far. So it was Tralee IT that started all this and I got on that gravy train down there in, the, in, the, in 1999. <laughs> I didn't get a lot of money from it, but they were able to pay my rent and stuff and I was kind of at a loose end. I had dropped out of my second college and I went down to Tralee and did advanced tourism down there. <laughs> And uh, that that it was fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. I learned so much. It was funny uh, to to get into the into the course. It was government funded, so you're paid every every week if you went in. It was based on. So I got deregistered because I didn't go in, but I had to do an interview to um, I had to do an interview to get into the course. So I told them in the interview that I was opening up a B and B. My mother's were renovating my mother's house and I had to list the tourist attractions in Leash. And why would they be interested in your being? Well, there's the Rock of Dunamis. <laughs> there's nothing in Leash. They believe me anyway, my life. So I got into the college and... Uh, look, at, look at you now. Yeah, yeah there you go. There you go. That B&B never really took off. But that was it. And Tralee were doing that at the time and won three Sigersons in a row. And then Sligo IT started doing something similar. And, you know, DCU came in then and took it to a whole other level. So I'm not going to judge colleges for doing it. I just, like, there was players in DCU not even on the starting team on scholarships like they were throwing them around like nobody's business no look at it and when you get to the Sigerson or Fitzgibbon level look at there's only 15 fellas that you can put on the field so if you have a number of, of freshers and scholarships second and third years and scholarships you, like you you just can't play them all so inevitably um, if you look at the number of students say in UCD there's 25,000 students now there's about five or 6,000 would be international students um, so you just have to kind of uh, make ends meet but how did DCU you afford it? They have outside sponsors, obviously, to be able... You don't, we, you don't know the... You wouldn't I don't know. know the answer to that. No, um, I don't know, but, but I, to, be, to, to be balanced and to give credit to DCU and, and Paul O'Brien and, and, and uh, um, a couple of other guys involved in run the J Club there, they, they put an awful lot of work in and, and, and they're nearly... While we're competitive uh, competitors in terms of when we play against each other, we're kind of nearly colleagues in a way in developing Gaelic games. I and, get you, and, uh, yeah. In third level, but Paul uh, would put in and a uh, good leash man in there now with him as well. Ross um, Munley. No, no uh, he's over recruitment, isn't Ross he? Ross is there. What's odd? Uh, referee, played with Plunkett's. Um, oh, it's David Sweeney. David Sweeney, sorry. David Sweeney's taking up a role there this year as right. well. So, and Michael Kennedy then from Tyrone was there uh, before that. So, um, an awful lot of work goes in, in uh, to recruiting guys, um, uh, getting guys playing for each other, uh, conversations with county managers, disagreements with county managers, and trying to ensure that the prestige and the um, prominence that third level uh, football and, and hurling should have um, remains, you know, yeah. so it's a constant challenge. But uh, now, again, for me, I've never bothered too much about the money um, uh, side of things. Well, you can only put 15 guys on the field. And ah, well, you would say that being a dub, right, with all this <laughs> game <laughs> development yeah. money you're getting, right? So that you have to be consistent about this, chair, right? I, you can't. I don't know. It's ended on today. We're here in Cunningham and the star did a piece with me actually before the All-Ireland final last year, but he only, he only put out, I think, is it... Uh, 
I don't know, is it a competitor website, but Buzz, I don't know. Oh, it's there <laughs> online. Okay, it's yeah, there yeah. online, yeah. but but uh, in between the two canals in Dublin, there's roughly 160,000 people based in the last census, and there's only two GA clubs. So on the north side, St. Joseph's O'Connell Boys, and my dad's actually chairman, down in Seville Place, they have a, a hurling team uh, and, uh, and a football team. And then Kevin's Hurling Club, which is uh, based around Sin Street, and my godfather, Jerry, his juvenile chairman where he was for a while and uh, they would share grounds with Temple Oak Sing Street Sing Street with the football yeah. so um, when you look at it like that it's, 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 it's uh, scary Where's this game's development money being spent then is the question I want to know Where's this going into a black hole It's a whole other show yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah we'll get sidetracked <laughs> yeah, here I wanted to talk about uh, the, the schedule these lads have now right so they've seven games in nine weeks and that wasn't the case when I was playing. It was, it was more spread out. Even when I started playing, you'd play three games before Christmas and then a few after Christmas. You must be like a professional athlete, Jared. Like, I mean, they'd be doing nothing during the week, I presume, other than a recovery. They'll do their own recovery Monday. They'll do a pitch recovery Tuesday. And then maybe, I don't know, what would you do on Thursday? What would your week be like? Because, like, Donegal are picking up injuries. Ryan McHugh, Caelan McGonagall and Neil McGee all limped off last week. So I presume just getting them right is a big priority during the week. And I, I know we talked about the demands on up-and-coming GA players a couple of podcasts ago. Uh, I think Pat Spillane had a, had a piece in the Sunday World about a young lad pre-Christmas and not being able to drink at the wedding. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was but, actually talking but, to somebody about that. Yeah. That, one, that one player might have been out the night before and going out the night after. He just uh, had to... He just, on, he just had to... On that wedding, he yeah. had to do that it. That didn't help Pat's story, though. No, that did not help Pat's story. And I wouldn't mind. I kind of went along with Pat's story until I actually spoke to someone involved with Kerry. Listen, we were allowed out all over Christmas. Don't be silly. We, the night yeah. before, you wouldn't go out because you're not stupid. Yeah. But we were out. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Basically, I wanted to clear that up. It's, it's, it's about a balance. Uh, um, I suppose as I came to the end of my own career, the sports science uh, and information we were getting in how to mind yourself in the off-season was a massive change to how it was when it would have started in 2006, where you wintered well, you put on the guts of a stone. Certainly my body type, I put on the guts of a stone. And then you just run it off uh, in the Oberon Cup games and then you run more off then come the National League, but you got bigger breaks in the National League. Yeah. And then you, you're into your championship um, campaign and you should be as lean uh, as you would like to be. So in order to avoid injuries now and the demands that are put on players, your off season is kind of a measured off season. It's it's um, it's it's not a case of uh, uh, letting yourself go too much, and that when you do come back into the the pre season campaign with the inter county team and the increase in in in, in training load, um, you your your body isn't totally shocked, and then you don't have as many injuries. So recovery protocols is a big thing, and there's a big science behind that and the way in which you recover. So for argument's sake, if I, I love jumping into the sea, uh, what's the positives of uh, jumping into the sea? Um, again, we've all done it in terms of uh, how refreshed you feel coming out yeah. of it. Another fella, like, I actually have no interest in jumping into the sea. That's actually going to stress me out further. I'd much rather stay in bed. Well, then he should probably stay in bed. Right. So it's whatever helps you relax is what you should go but and do. But it is tailored individually, Danger, is it, is it as opposed to saying, well, everybody needs to jump in the sea or everybody needs to do their own method. You know, yeah. it's holistic enough that you can say to one person, you do what works for you. And exactly. Rather than saying that it, it's a catch-all. Exactly. Um, I, I, I personally would have always gone for a 10, 15 minute, very, very, <coughs> sorry, very, very slow jog, bit of a stretch, and I jump in the sea for, for 10 minutes. And I was happy enough with that. But I definitely know other lads um, who... who 
like that would just torment them and they'd be just stressed out even yeah. further. So yeah. the recovery might start a couple of hours later. So it's whatever suits yeah. every individual. I always remember back years ago that when you'd be out on a night out, even if it was a team bonding session, the manager would get you up at 7am the next morning and say, this will do you the world to go to run that beer out of you. And I was thinking to myself, another four hours in bed would do me an awful lot better. <laughs> like, I'm surely physiologically getting up early with no sleep dehydrated and doing a long run has to be counterproductive for we, your body we, yeah but it's the psychological run the shite surely. out of you and yeah. I will, will, will run that beer out of you was the <laughs> even scientifically wasn't it the Claire Hurland team that used to do those runs up the hill like I'm sure like scientifically now they're looking at that thinking geez, that's the worst thing you could that's do that's psychological geez, yeah, obviously yeah. guaranteed like any member of the Claire team you'll talk about they'll remember that yeah, and no. they'll remember how much you contributed I imagine it's the same with geez, lads remember we had that great night out but we were up at 7 o'clock the next we'll morning we'll sweat you know. the beer out of you this was oh, meant to be that's an old cliche there was a weekend away uh, a good few years ago can't tell any names or anything like that but again we were up at Initial 7 Come on, give us uh, <laughs> we were up at 7 the next morning and, 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 and a few of us and I was probably still in the early stages of trying to become established in the squad so uh, we're kind of waiting in the lobby and all of a sudden you see one or two lads come down the stairs and then you see uh, a couple of other uh, people of the opposite sex also coming down the stairs <laughs> at different times and you're probably thinking, I say those lads a couple of more hours in bed now and they'd be free. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think you can say that here. They would have appreciated a couple of more hours in bed. But here is Turlock O'Brien mentioned this, and I never, this is, it's fairly obvious, but I was just thinking, he was talking about the Saturday night games. He says, Saturday night football is great as it allows players to recover the next day. If we're playing uh, Sunday football, they would be back to work or college the following day. I think the supporters like Saturday nights as well. He's talking about Saturday night matches. But then I was thinking, we call them amateurs, but if you have a Saturday night game, you're pretty much a professional on Sunday. You'll get up, you'll do your recovery, you'll lie in, and then you'll put your feet up on the couch and watch TG Cahar matches for the day. Yeah. Like, a, a, a team with a match on a Saturday night has an advantage the following week against a team that has a match on a Sunday. Is, or am I reading too much into it? Maybe, maybe not in week one, but in around week five, you know, it might have a, a bit of an advantage. Well, the extra day for a start, and then the fact that they were able to do that. They were the, able it's to, a professional recovery. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, they don't have the people that have to go into work on Monday. They don't have the option of doing that. They'll have, yeah. to, they'll have to find the time on the Monday to recover. And then they're looking at an extra less day. They're probably going in training the following night, as opposed to somebody who's played a Saturday night yeah. and looking at a couple of days off before they go into training. Yeah. So it's definitely an advantage over the long run. And then you'll find that, like, the likes of, not that I'm saying that Dublin don't have advantages or anything like that, but they'll probably play more games on Saturday night because they're going to be on TV and the te- televised games are on Saturday yeah. night as well so I'd say over the course of a league if you talk to somebody involved in the S&C or the science side of it they'll say to you yeah we've definitely benefited from having more games on Saturday night than a Sunday It makes sense doesn't it? Well absolutely makes sense and even as a player to have that Sunday off uh, to, I know you are doing your recovery as you mentioned but as opposed to going into workers college mm-hmm. then on a, on a Monday morning and even the quality of the training session probably on the Tuesday evening you can probably do that bit more tactically in terms mm. of preparing for the game coming up the following weekend. I know television um, rights and, 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 and sponsors, they, they want to spread things out a bit, which is understandable. But I suppose on uh, on average, you probably play maybe the same on the games of a Sunday and the same on the games of a Saturday. But uh, it definitely, yeah. as an amateur I player... Know. I think if you have to... I think Leash play most Saturday night game home mm. games. Dublin play most uh, Saturday night games. I think if you have at the lights, everybody, Armagh are starting to play their home games Saturday night. I think most counties are going for the pre- the preference. There's so many more... It's nearly split 50-50 now it, on Saturday and Sunday, would, isn't it? It would be interesting to look at the, the gate receipts of, of, of people attending on a, of a Saturday evening versus yeah. Sunday. Yeah. And... 
we probably would all agree that most people enjoy go to going going to a Saturday game, have a few beers before or after. Yeah. Uh, something to do for the evening, and uh, I would imagine they're that bit higher as well. So yeah. The, the only thing I'd say is like Mayo play Saturday night home games. Yeah, too. a lot of yeah, they're, well, they're playing Dublin this Saturday night as well. But the only thing I'll say is for the hardcore support, let's say if there's a long journey, you know, and they want to bring their families along, you know, they're talking about if they, if they have to drive maybe three hours and then the game doesn't end till nine o'clock and then they're not coming back till all hours of the night. So there would be people who would, who would complain about that side. That for away games, mm, yeah, but your home games, your yeah, grand, absolutely, the yeah. opposition have to do that. <laughs> yeah, from from a spectator point of view, I'm I'm definitely in Jersey board as well. There's just yeah. something there's something about the game under lights as well. Just adds that yeah. little bit extra, yeah. a, a little bit extra atmosphere, possibly because people have been in, you know, having their couple of pints beforehand or looking looking forward to it afterwards. Me but, too. Uh, and I am going to Leash Man in Moore Park, and I'm not watching Mayo Dublin, <laughs> and I will have a few pints after, <laughs> afterwards. Um, the the number of subs, I I miss this as well. The number of subs now is down from six to five, and it's no surprise to see Peter Keane and Desi Farrell are not happy about this because they have the biggest squads, they have the biggest picks. I would say some of the weaker counties are delighted with this. Um, some of the weaker counties would like it down to three I'd imagine where they bring on their three best subs and they're not going you know yeah. Dublin don't have to bring on they, mm. Dublin could bring on ten fellas good enough Desi wants rolling subs <laughs> this is how much of a panel he wants which is probably a little bit interesting enough uh, Peter Keane said when you talk about five subs we had two gone in the first half if you have a guy in your mind who will only last 50 minutes going into a game um, you've already two already and then there's another two gone after 50 minutes that's four gone and you still have 20 minutes um, and another six minutes injury time and the possibility of one sub so I suppose he's using the worst case scenario where you lose two injured players in the first half that's not normal um, I think five is enough I think six suits the Dublins and the Kerrys and the teams that have the big squads Desi is talking about uh, there's rolling substitutes incidentally in the Burn Cups in the early season competitions he made 23 subs in the Burn Cup I wouldn't like rolling subs what do you think Ger? like I mean it's a basketball thing how would you even track it on a ma- like even from an analysis point of view it would be literally impossible because you wouldn't know who's, who's coming on where and what's happening your, yeah, your head no, would explode I think it would detract from, from, from our game from the spectators enjoyment of it but even playing the game as well if you think you're going to be Whipped off now after two runs because your GPS says that you're uh, you're 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 getting a bit fatigued or whatever. Um, I, I don't think it would be usually enjoyable as a player. I know the AFL have a system of um, uh, roll on roll off subs, mm-hmm. but do you want to become more like the AFL? Or well, I have yeah. I have experience of it actually because in the Masters there was roll on roll off for obvious reasons. We're all <laughs> yeah, out, yeah, we're yeah. all out yeah. and you're you know rickety crickety <laughs> creaking legs, but. Dublin were brilliant at it. Like Dublin have a really big squad. Val Andrews is their manager and I'm marking the left half back. And now I might get a couple of balls. I skint them once or twice, right? And I was thinking in my head, I'm getting on top of this lad now. He's uh, mm. now the next minute after 20 minutes, there's a fresh lad on me. Now mm. this lad's stuck up right beside me. Come out to start a second half. Number seven's back. back yeah. Now I'm <clears throat> fatiguing and this lad's fresh and suddenly he's all that, all tired. Like, I don't, I like it for masters when you're, t- when you're tired, you put your hand up and come off. But for inter-county level, they're fit enough. They don't need that. And I, I do think it takes it would take yeah, away Yeah, but it. it's part of the appeal as well that like players are going to be a little bit fatigued at the end and they're going to make mistakes because of True. it. Like, yeah. that's, why, like, that's why all inter-county teams are striving to be fitter than one another. Like that, that they have to demonstrate that advantage on the field you know, towards the end of games. The only thing I'll say maybe that like, because it because it's really is 80 minutes now, a couple of years ago before they sorted out the clock, it would have been over after 71, 72 minutes. But games are, there is six, seven minutes injury time in the second half. There's maybe five minutes in the yeah. first. 
myself too. You are going to 80 minutes. So I have a little bit of sympathy in terms of the six sub there. But Desi Farrell is kind of saying that like spectators want to see players fresh all the time. But I don't know. Like I think I think purely from a spectator's point of view, it really adds to it. The players I are getting tired right. of making mistakes. Yeah. And how many times in training, Desi or um, Ger, have you have you said the manager play a game after a hard training session and you say, now you're tired, we'll see what mistakes you make. Exactly. You and, 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 and a lot of training is actually geared towards uh, perfecting the basic skills. Uh, under While the tired, yeah. yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And again, something we remember doing with Pat Gilroy as well. We did shuttle runs. We played 15 minutes of a game. We did more shuttle runs, 15 minutes of a game. More shuttle runs and 15 minutes of a game. And... You weren't allowed to make a mistake in the last uh, uh, part of the, uh, of the game. Yeah, you had yeah. to keep possession. If the 30, 40 yard crossfield kick pass was on in the first third, when you're a bit fresher, give it in the last third, chances of it going askew is probably that bit higher. So you just keep possession and you give the 10 yard pass or you give the, the same yeah, yeah, more, yeah, yeah. more, uh, and, more there, and there's a mental strength about being able to do, execute Absolutely. skills under pressure, yeah. tired. Yeah. That would be, I think. You, I don't in rugby, know. Is, it, is it five? I know it's a different sport. Is rugby five subs? Or I'm trying to think. Oh, rugby, I, th- I think it's five. It, it, yeah. rugby, uh, rugby, like, actually goes so much off GPS stats. They, yeah. they, are, they get more information. Weren't you saying this? The, mm. props, were, the props are usually withdrawn after 50 minutes because the computer's yeah. telling them yeah. that their power output is decreasing. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and that does happen. And when you watch the rugby guys and the management in the in the stands and they have the couple of laptops open front and that's a, a lot of stuff is what they're looking at there and then they do make those calls but uh, yeah. in, in, in the AFL though they, they've there's a couple of research pieces of red uh, they actually all the AFL teams use the, the um, GPS data along with heart rate data to determine when to take a guy off very very similar to what they do in professional rugby but again that's a professional sport it's at a different level it's evolved it's a different part of the world I don't. I wouldn't like to see us go that far. Um, I think the mistakes, as you've mentioned, the a bit of excitement. Uh, what's going to happen now? The last ten minutes of a game, double line carry or evenly matched. Cunning talking on the review show. Yeah, we've met uh, five, six times is it, in the last couple of years. Yeah, one twice. Each strong once um, Conan of you here. I think tell it's us, a, no, Kerry won the league. Dublin. I think it, yeah, it's very close. Anyways, there's two wins, two draws each, or something two like, wins. and two losses each, or something like that. Yeah, and then you look at some of Dublin's all Ireland wins and semi final draws against Mayo over the last mm. uh, seven or eight years. Only a point or so in between it, and the amount of errors in the last couple of minutes is what's determined who the victor was and the mental strength that comes into yeah. it. So you would, kind of lo- you would lose that. Yeah, with a bit you? of excitement yeah. of it. Yeah, with a, with a, you, you, for the last minute, you might have. Maybe your three lead, you'd have for, on, for Dublin, for example, you'd have Fenton, you'd have Kilkenny, you'd have James McCarthy, and you could have a, oh, everybody else be fresh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 and that's yeah, those yeah. three after getting a break at some point that's during it. a game. I wouldn't like it. But part of the brilliance of, of, of Dublin when they got the draw against Kerry last year was that they were down, they were down a man. It was, mm-hmm. it was going into maybe 80 minutes, whatever, and you had fellas hunting in packs all over the pitch. That was just a testament to, to their ability to be able to do that despite going through, you know, 75 minutes of hard work, you know, up to that. So yeah. you, you don't want it to be a case where somebody can just introduce, you know, 50 minutes. Because somebody can introduce five subs, or whatever, and they'll finish out the game as fresh as they were starting the first twenty minutes. Yeah, that, that's what I'd say. I'm not sure is that what Desi Farrell is referring to, but and here and and here's one right that that mental strength that we've seen from Dublin in, in that particular case you gave there, Connor. If we've unlimited subs, if the GPS on you, you know you're half fixed. You know I'm not going to chase this one. I'm absolutely dying my feet. The lads will see on the computer screen they're going to be yeah. ripped off now anyway. <clears> so sure, look at I'll, I'll um, 
I'll leave that be. Yeah, yeah. take me off. Yeah. yeah. Although, just imagine think, putting your hand off to come up, come <laughs> off in a championship yeah. game. Even in the Masters, I get tick when it, to bring me off, give me five minute rest. Yeah. And like, oh, for God's sake! Is it is it is it or oh nine? Peter Cannon's last game, Mickey Hart played it perfectly. He played him for the twenty minutes, I think, and took him off. For the middle part of the no, that was 05. So five, that long Canavan wasn't around in 08 for the yeah. All Ireland. Yeah, yeah. so he, it was 05 his last one. Well, yeah. Pulls down the gooch then with his last act, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The cynicism yeah. of the forward. Eh? That was it. Keen, you mentioned GPS <laughs> stats. Uh, Keen Mackey's been talking about GPS and GPS stats, and he's not a fan. Obviously, his body type would would. It's not a surprise. He's like he's a class player that wouldn't trade on athleticism for example he says I think a big problem in the GEA is they go by the GPS stats player X is just after running 10k you could be doing 10k running around and doing nothing GPS is a small key but you have management teams looking into that and thinking it's the gospel I found there's too much training and too much conditioning you have to you have to be fit but you can go overboard if you don't have the ball if you don't give the ball away you'll be fine and that's a big one so if you don't have the basic skills and you're giving the ball away, you're going to run more and you're going to tackle more and your GPS stats mm. are going to be higher. If you concentrate on the basic, on the skills and not giving the ball away and looking up and all those things, you won't need to be as fit as the other team. You yeah. know, and like, I mean, I think the balance away from that might be gone too far. I do agree with him and I am from a different era, but I do agree that Number one, any manager that just goes by GPS stats alone is an idiot mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. could manipulate GPS stats no problem. Yeah. Just chasing around like a headless chicken. Yeah. It's not, it's, and, and the, the, the stats on giving the ball away. Where was the ball given away? Was it a safe hand pass? Exactly. Was it a kick pass? Is the centre forward who's a playmaker looking for you know, really good balls. Did he give it away twice? That's different than some other fella in the midfield giving away two easy balls. Do you get me? The stats are only there to help what your football brain tells you, right? And exactly. GPS stats as well. They, they they should support it. And probably sometimes some of these um, new gizmos, uh, the S&C guys with maybe who haven't probably played Gaelic games or yeah. whatever sport are involved in at a high level, they don't get the intric- intricacies of, of, of what's going on on the field. And the context whereby the GPS uh, uh, technology is being used, that has to be explained to the player or extra player why. The reason we're putting this on you for uh, a league game or a championship game is to try to build a profile on the games that you're playing well in. You might be covering 10 kilometres, but two and a half kilometres of the 10 were at high intensity. What's high intensity? It's probably anything over 25 kilometres an hour. Um, Jack McCaffrey, to put into context with people, can probably run. He does 70. <laughs> 70, yeah. <laughs> 70. So, so uh, the context of it is key. Um, poorer managers will, will, who, who are making decisions based off uh, GPS uh, won't get uh, very far. They look the part, but they won't get very far. If, for argument's sake, um, we're into the 60, last 10 minutes of a game, Connor has the ball. He's actually given the ball away twice, uh, uncharacteristically. I might say... That's when you look. Bully, uh, how far has your man ran here? He's at the doing 13. Genie Mackerel, based on his, his, his usual data, he, he normally does 10. Okay, maybe we make a call here. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's, that's yeah, like, no, it's so a build a profile. Analysis exactly, yeah. That's, exactly, very, yeah. that's very interesting. And yeah. like giving the player the explanation... Yeah. What we're looking for here, don't go out there trying to be crazy and try to impress us. Play your game so we can build a profile so then we can make calls, not yeah. make calls based off that, but refer to it yeah. when I think, I, you know, you'd, that's the whole thing. Well, you'd like you make the decision and then you go, is this backing that decision up? Mm-hmm. If it is, he comes off. If it's not, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, that's different. And, you'd, you'd and like, the, sorry, the, yeah. the competition you're playing against is also key. If, you, yeah. if you're playing against a, a weaker team, uh, and you're winning by 10 points well then your GPS, 
throw the GPS off because the stats will be just skewed. Of course, yeah. Because yeah. it's been too easy, like, you know. You'd yeah. like to think the stats have, uh, you know, become more uh, sophisticated or mm. the, the, the intercounty teams that are using them. Like, going back even a couple of years when everybody absolutely raving about Kieran Kilkenny when he had X amount of possessions. But yeah. then when you analyse that game and you analyse the actual, the way he used the possessions, it wasn't all that impressive. Whereas you go back to the All-Ireland Final Replay last year, I don't have Kieran Kilkenny's stats to hand, but I'd be safe enough in saying that he probably lost a few balls, but his performance was far better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He preferred that Kieran Kilkenny ahead of the Kieran Kilkenny who's going to be hand-passing it you know yeah. horizontally just like ex, mm. you know left right and left well right that's it like I mean we all know half forwards are based off possessions a lot but he'd 55 against Donegal that time based on the fact Donegal were playing defensively exactly. and all he was doing was taking one twos whereas against Kerry in the replay he got four points from play I'd say his possessions might be about 20 mm-hmm. yeah so which is better 55 <laughs> possessions or 20 yeah, you know what yeah, I mean yeah. what are you doing with the ball yeah, you're right I was Colin Boyle is always one that jumps to my mind he's playing really well He's taken off after 55. Is Rochford used to kind of take yeah, him off, wasn't it? I, like, I mean, is he slowing down there? Where's that information coming from? Because we were up in arms a good few times the way he was being taken <laughs> you know, off. I was, look, I was looking back at that today when you mentioned it. There was a couple of articles about you giving out about it at the time. <laughs> and then he was, I think it was four out of five games coming down the home stretch in the uh, 2017 All-Ireland season that he was taken off after. He was taken off. Colin Boyle scored a goal against Kerry in the All-Ireland semi-final. He was taken off after 43 minutes that day. And then I think against Roscommon in the first game, actually the second game, which I think was one with 50 minutes, Dublin in the final, 55. That might have been influenced by Donny Vaughan getting sent off. But at the time, it was definitely a case. I know Stephen Rochford explained it. It's like, this isn't the case of this being a predetermined substitution, which everybody thought at the time. They thought Stephen Rochford has a list. He goes before the game, Colin Boyle is coming off after 50 minutes. Andy Moran is coming off after 50 minutes. Now, whether he was aware of this, but in the semi-final replay, Colin Boyle nor Andy Moran, Colin Boyle lasted 70, Andy Moran lasted the whole game. So I'd like to think in Rochford's defence that he he had you know a more sophisticated breakdown of stats it was like genuinely Colin Boyle was on Stephen O'Brien against Kerry that day Stephen O'Brien is running hard all the time Colin Boyle is not going to be able to keep up with him we have Paddy Durkin in reserve of, like you know in fairness yeah, 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 so yeah, like yeah. I, I think it was a bit more sophisticated than that but he was Colin Boyle was I think it was 6 out of 7 and like I, I can remember those games there was palpable Discussed amongst the Mayo supporters yeah. when he's been taken off because Colin Boyle is a warrior, is a leader, who's having an unbelievable season. You're like, why are you taking off him now? Come down the home stretch. Yeah. But I think, in fairness to Rashford, he had a decent explanation for that. Yeah. Time. See, I'm 41. I'm blaming the GPS <laughs> no, for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like an old man giving out about all this technology. It's a, it's a joke, right? We'll come back with Paddy Cunningham. Policeman at Garda Shikana down, down the store street, and I'm coming back out, and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out, and they're roaring at me, hey, Toffrey, you free state bastard. And next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> So Paddy Cunningham turns 35 this year and he hasn't played for Antrim for six years but made his league comeback um, against Wexford last weekend. Paddy, are you mad or what? <laughs> Some people are telling me I am. Oh, listen, I suppose um, I took a sort of six-year break there. I didn't really intend for it to be as long as that. But um, unfortunately, it ended up being uh, a six-year break at that. But um, I suppose... In reflection, I probably should have took a break sooner than I did, and I, pro- I would have been back quicker. But um, and to be honest, I probably thought at this stage 
my county career was over um, until Lenny basically got in touch and um, had a couple of meetings with him and he, he managed to persuade me back into the fold. But listen, I'm, I'm delighted to be back and really enjoying it again. So uh, how does a one-year break turn into a six-year break? Do you stop getting that phone call after a year or two? Do managers just write you off thinking that you're, you've no interest? Let me follow the phone went obviously initially when I, I, I took a break yeah. I just had a, a second child and um, to be honest at that stage I was completely fed up with it being truthful with me mentally I was just I wasn't enjoying it anymore it was becoming more a chore um, I know that's a terrible thing to say when you're you're lucky enough to be able to play county football or hurling but I played I was on the senior hurling panel when, it, when I was still minor at 17 and played two years at it. I was playing university football in Hurling, county under-21 football in Hurling, and then I got into the senior football squad. And it was just relentless for year upon year, and I just ended up falling out of love with the game, really. And, um, it wasn't even just county. It was, I enjoyed going back to the club, but again, my performances probably weren't as what they should have been. And um, I got into sort of the comfort zone of just enjoying club football. And, um it was a lot more relaxed and there wasn't obviously the same level of commitment required and um, I suppose it's changed now. I suppose the club level it's, it's nearly similar. But um, I suppose I just, I just mentally I was exhausted from the whole 10, 11 years I'd done on the trot. I wish I had to take a break and I was going to be 24, 25, which we're seeing a lot of lads doing now and got that hunger and desire back because I definitely have it now. It was just a pity I waited until I was 34, coming 35, as you say, to go back at it. Ah, yeah. Well, you're a fin- you're a finisher, so you don't have to be known for your track and back or anything like that. You're an accurate uh, scorer, so there's another year or two left in you, right? Oh, well, I don't know about a year or two. You know, the wife might have something to say. About that, but, uh, <laughs> how how but, uh, did how did you feel against Wexford? Um, to be honest, it, it, initially it was a big shock. The system went back to that level of training, so I picked up a couple of strains, a couple of knocks, um, and I was really looking forward to the kind of cup and I tweaked the hamstring just that week before. So. I was nervous getting into Waxford, but I felt, I felt good considering I hadn't played any competitive. I played three or four friendlies pre-Christmas, but I hadn't played any competitive football since December, so I was just delighted to get 50, 55 minutes or whatever it was over me, you know, that way. So um, still plenty to work work to do, and you know, hopefully I'll become sharper over the next few weeks, but uh, I felt good, thankfully. Yeah, no, that's good. And come here, how, how did Lenny sell it to you then? Because um, this is obviously his third year, and has he been down to you before this year, or was it this year kind of out of the blue? Um, I, I actually ran into him, coincidentally, at, a, at one of the club championship games earlier in the year, which we, I was spectating at. I was actually with Dagon Lynch, who's obviously Antrim captain this year, a big good friend of mine. So he had a couple of sort of allies, himself and Conor Murray, sort of at me during the year, would he not come back? And to be honest, I never really took it seriously. Um, until Lanny approached me and asked for a cup of coffee and I said, listen, Lanny, I don't know if it'll be worth your while. I would need to think about it and see how the club season goes first and um, take it from there. Um, so I met him two or three times and sort of listened to what he had to say and to be fair, I was impressed, you know, and they, there's a good bunch of lads there and they're probably maybe just lacking that wee bit of experience. So um, Lanny probably took a different approach this year in terms of trying to get Tomas McCann back as well. He would yeah. have been... Uh, of my generation so thankfully the two of us are back and you know there's a good mix there of youth and experience and hopefully you know 
we might be able to push on a little bit more than what they have done the last couple of years this year. Right, because I, I was I was thinking Lenny might have seen your club form this year. We all saw how well your club went in all the semi-finals and probably should have won the final and that go, all the replays and you know your scoring and that. I thought maybe he asked you that after that, yeah, but he, he had asked uh, you before. He asked you before the club season. Yeah, well, he had asked me just. I don't. Think, I think we had maybe played one club game like at that stage. I think we scored a few that that game that we had played, but. I suppose that was probably um, the catalyst for it, and then obviously the club did have a decent enough year. It was disappointing, obviously, not to win the championship um, after such an endurance test, so to speak, with so many replays. But um, I suppose the club season um, sort of was more convincing for me to maybe think about going back because I knew if the club season didn't go well this year, I would never even contemplate going back. But um, I still had a hell of a lot of work to do, obviously. It uh, wintered well, for want of a better term. So. Um, I had a lot of work to do myself, gym work and diet, nutrition, and obviously halfway to get everything uh, in line and think to try and offer something. So um, I think that, to be honest, was perhaps maybe looking me more back as an impact player, maybe for ten or fifteen minutes, but just to be more around the change room. And I sort of said to him, "Listen, if I'm going back, I want to play." And he says, "Well, listen, if you're showing me that you're capable of playing for longer than that, you'll be playing." So. Um, lucky enough to get a starting jersey on Sunday and I'm, I'm very keen to hold all that. Yeah, definitely. So was it much of a culture shock landing back in with what's what's required at inter-county level at this stage? It's 2011 since I was involved in a panel. I can only imagine what it's like in there now in, in 2020. Uh, it's de- as you say, it's definitely um, continuing to, to get uh, more professional in terms of the setup and in terms of the science behind it and GPS systems and you know it's well documented now the, the stuff that's going into this setup and even in terms of the the, the backroom team it's it's definitely a snowball from from when I was last involved and it is very impressive it's it's uh, continuing to get more and more of those small margins and the amount of time effort and resources put into it, it I've definitely seen a huge change in that from when I was last involved and that was only six years so um, it's definitely continuing to get more professional and every single team is looking at extra edge and. The money and resources and everything that's into that is unbelievable at this stage. Yeah, well, I suppose, and that's it. And I, I suppose the professional setups are really tested during the league when you've seven games in nine weeks. And the big thing with GEA players is that time for recovery isn't there as easily, you know, as professional sports. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that's one thing that Lanny and his background team have been good with, probably the older lads, myself included, you know. Looking at our GPS and looking at our energy levels, and obviously you're, you're logging every day how you're feeling and how your nutrition and sleep and everything else is, and they're looking at that and then they're tailing the training towards that. So it's long gone in the days where 30 lads are doing the exact same training, the same volumes, and um, the same amount of sessions and stuff like that. So it's definitely changed tactically from a training point of view that managers and coaches are trying to be smarter to try and get the most out of their players when it comes to game day. and Thankfully, that has happened because I think there was a, a one-fit approach there for a long time, and, and thankfully now that dynamics changed, and there's a lot more expertise and knowledge about the place. That, that, that as you say, recovery is key whenever you have so many games coming thick and fast. Yeah. So, like I presume during the week now, bet- between the Wexford game and another really tough one away at the Sligo, you're doing very little kind of physical training. You're just, you know, playing a bit of football, which may- maybe is more enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. So, training last night was just more recovery session and. A wee small bit of tackling off football work, but um, I suppose it's just gearing up now for Sligo. It'll be a serious, tough test, and I feel a, a huge step up even from last weekend's game for all of us. So they had a comprehensive win over London, so it's uh, it's 
the big challenge going to Markovic Park at any stage. Um, so I'm sure they're going in with a lot of confidence, having got a such convincing win over London. So we'll be up against it, but we're looking forward to it, and hopefully we can build upon our performance against Wexford and, and try and gain two points on Sunday because it's a big game for both teams. Yeah, so like I mean, it's been well documented that you suffer from Crohn's disease, and that was diagnosed in 2011. How are you with it now, um, Paddy? Have you got a handle on it? How's how's life living with that? Yeah, I'm very lucky. I've got an excellent consultant, Dr. Mitchell. There, he's been he's been incredible for me. Um, I suppose the big thing is that the medications work for a certain length of time. So probably over the course of the last. Um, ten years I've been on varied medication, and obviously there's uh, there's different side effects uh, along with that. But the one I'm currently on is like an infusion type drug, which you get every eight weeks, and um, it's been it's been very good um, for me. It stabilizes things well and allows me to train and live as best a normal life as I possibly can. It's just um, obviously monitoring myself, and symptoms would flare up from time to time. But I think a lot of a lot of that's got me through it the data is being positive about things and, and training and looking after my dad and um, trying to be as positive as possible. I've had one surgery in 10 years and they say after three years you're 70% chance of having another one. So I suppose I'm 10, 11 years post-surgery now. So I've been very, very lucky and I'm blessed with that that I haven't had to go on the knife again. So. Right, okay. And I suppose obviously the healthy lifestyle with the GEA and watching what you eat and, you know, being, being regimented with your diet, they kind of work hand in hand, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely, and I suppose the thing with Crohn's disease, if you look at it in detail, every case is different. Um, people react to certain food groups in different ways. Some people can't eat certain things, other people can't eat. Each case is, is very much different in terms of their diet and uh, that type of things. But um, Dr. Mitchell is a real advocate for exercise. and He, he says there's myself and another traveling athlete who has Crohn's, and he says that we're really defeating basically the logic due to the fact probably that we are so physically active and we've had a long sustained exercise history so it's definitely something that I believe has helped me over the course of the last decade is continuing to play and exercising and looking after the body as best I can. Right, okay. You mentioned you get a transfusion every eight weeks and I was reading a piece in the 42 that you did and he said the be- you said the best way to describe it is probably like batteries. You're full of energy for four or five weeks but you do feel yourself lacking a bit of energy for the two weeks or the ten days leading up to the next transfusion. I'm just wondering like, if that two weeks lands before an important game, how do you deal with that? To be honest, to Tom, there's not much you can do. You just have to grim and bear it because obviously medicine's medicine and yeah. you have to abide by the rules um, basically the medication dosages from the hospital and the consultant. So it's just probably resting up as much as, much as possible, not doing any real training and just trying to get through the games. Um, I know my club management team have been very, very supportive and helpful over that over the last few years. Um, basically, it's like it's, it's set in the diary every eight weeks. I know when I'm going, I know when I'm getting it. So um, you do feel lethargic and tired and fatigued in, in the running to getting it. But once you get it, within a couple of days, you, you do feel uh, a lot more energetic. So just managing that and sleeping more and resting more and, uh, and not uh, trying to put the body under too much pressure because that's whenever you try to fight through it, that's when the symptoms would, would come back to bite you a, a wee bit, to be honest. Right, OK. And were you very proactive when the symptoms started before 2011 to get it, you know, diagnosed, or did you let it drag on and kind of grin and bear it? Do you know what Irish men are like? Um, well, probably, it was probably underlying, you know. Um, it took me a while to probably 
you say, Irish men sometimes try and pretend uh, things aren't wrong when they are wrong, but um, it ended up going private. Um, they couldn't initially find out, done a lot of tests, and ended up going private and was diagnosed with Emicronin's. Um, big shock. Um, and ever really then, the, well, I suppose when, the, when it really got bad, I got a kick in the stomach accidentally in a game and was in severe pain. And... Um, rushed in the hospital and they put a camera in and they found sort of eight inches of poison uh, and I had to get immediate surgery to get that cut out uh, and that was really whenever um, it was to the safe of moment where I knew obviously it was extreme and I was going to have it obviously for the rest of my days Right, okay, geez, that's te- that, it's, it's terrible and I know you tried to stay positive and stuff but I'm sure there was a time after you're diagnosed where it's very hard to be positive Yeah, there is, there is but you know, you know yourself sports people are, are generally have a, have a strong and, and positivity sense within themselves and the way I looked at it was I could either retire and give up a ghost at that stage and, and you know try and live just a, a sedentary lifestyle or a basic lifestyle and try and get by with or I could try and fight it and thankfully 90% of the time that's how I felt about it tried to be as positive as possible and, and get as much out of myself as possible I was blessed that um, I was given a bit of time in relation to sport and you know I think there's two ways you can take it. You can moan and groan about it or you can try and be as positive and uh, try and lead a normal life as possible. And thankfully, I've been able to do that and I've been very blessed. Yeah, exactly. Just la- last one on this and I saw this in the same interview. You, the medication has made you lose your hair. Yeah, well, so uh, the drugs have different side effects for different people and unfortunately, that was uh, one of the main ones I have. It's basically it's a very, very high... Um, very strong, potent drug that I'm on, um, and that was just basically one of the side effects that was outlined. And it was unfortunate; it doesn't affect every case of the people here on it. Right. But I, I was one of them. Um, but I was just challenging itself. I suppose, being totally honest with you, I actually found that harder to deal with than probably the Crohn's, given the fact that everybody sees that, whereas people don't really know that you have Crohn's until I actually went public with it. So yeah, uh, it was a challenge in itself. Um, it was something I probably struggled with for a while but um, I'm well over at this stage um, at the end of the day it's kept me from going on the knife and I'm having to get any more surgeries or nothing removed and um, by and large I've been, I've been able to continue playing so uh, if that's the only sacrifice or only loss I've had um, I'm willing to deal with it now at this stage yeah yeah it's, it's, a, it's a sacrifice you mentioned uh, Thomas McCann is back but I don't know what it is about Antrim football is trying to keep everybody together because I remember back in 09 you were really strong and like teams break up easy in Antrim and I see you're missing Matthew Fitzpatrick and Ryan Murray this year so it's like two in and two out. I see uh, Peter Healy is back as well. There seems to be a bit of a revolving door in Antrim football. Ah, I know, but I suppose if you look at every county now you can nearly argue that's the case. Yeah. So I think within every county within Ireland there's somebody's out and somebody's in. I think that's just the nature of county football. Now, given the extremity of the commitment required, and um, you know, I think boys are starting to realise there's more to life. If they're young, free, and single, they're travelling, they're going away for work, um, they're trying to get gain more life experience rather than bogged down and in football or hurting their whole lives. So, you know, I think you know, from an Adam point of view, obviously, I was really keen and looking forward to going back with Ryan and, and Matthew Fitzpatrick. So they're two incredible footballers, and it's something that Adam aren't blessed with in terms of forward options as well, uh, especially with Tomas and myself coming back. It would have been great to have those two boys there. But listen, I suppose Lenny has, has got the hand he's dealt with. Every county manager is the same. You know, 
yeah, every day in the media, it's well documented now. The boys have stepped aside for one reason or another, so it's just something that um, unfortunately managers now have to deal with. And there's no real consistent approach or consistency. Even you look at Dublin, Jack McCaffrey winning all Ireland's, winning all stars for the year, steps away to travel for a year in the midst of winning all Ireland. So I think that's just the nature of the way the game's gone now. Uh, but hopefully, you know, it's a strong enough panel, maybe stronger than we had last year. And, We'll see where it takes us over the coming weeks. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, that that's it. When when I was playing, I used to play for a year and take a year off. One year was enough for me. So like, I mean, I don't know how they're doing. I don't. Maybe you might need a twelve-year break after this year with the commitment that's required. I would say this year will do me now at this level. <laughs> right. Well, come here. Best best of luck against Sligo. You're away in Marchevic, Marchevic, Marf, Markovic Park um, this yeah. weekend. So best of luck in that. And thanks very much for taking the call, Paddy. Brilliant call. No worries. Good to speak to you. Conan Doherty was a fantastic analyst and I mean I really heed what he would say in your programme I think, I think Tyrone are going to win I'm going to go with them I, as much as I, I predicted Dublin to win the All-Ireland at the start of the year I just think Tyrone are going too well they're unaffected by the other team too well set up I think they've been preparing for Dublin for two years they're ready for them I'm, I'm going to go with them you know. All right, so predictions, um, lads. So in Division One, um, see, I think Kerry Galway is the big game in this division. But look, I'm I'm kind of going to be overruled on this one. And I know you're going to say Mayo Dublin is in McHale Park. And two years ago, it was Mayo Dublin. I'm not sure Mayo Dublin is the big game um, now, but we'll talk about it anyways. And the fact that Connor was there wild celebrations in Mayo that Jim Gavin retired because it was 15, <laughs> 15 league and championship matches against Jim Gavin and Mayo didn't beat them once. Yeah, for a little while. And then you saw them against Kerry last week and you're like, Jesus, nothing has changed whatsoever. And even looking ahead to this weekend, like what's become most annoying about Mayo Dublin in the last few years, particularly the league, is how routine uh, Dublin beating Mayo is. I mean, like I know we've given them, not last year because they hammered us in the second half, but up until then, you know, like it was always neck and neck. But like in the league, like Dublin have had their way with Mayo yeah. for the last few years. Absolutely hammered us in uh, Dublin in Crow Park last year. The year before, I think Dublin won by maybe three points, but it was a three-point hammering. And there's been a few. There's been a few of those in the last couple of years. So like, and uh, even just going ahead into this weekend, looking how kind of um, you know ready Dublin looked for the for the Kerry game compared to Mayo, who were absolutely blessed to get out of um, Bally Buffet with a point and had to really bring on Aidan O'Shea who was just back from holidays. A couple of lads who I don't think. Um, I don't think uh, James Horn would have planned on introducing only he had to. So I going ahead into this weekend. I'm I'm a bit fearful for because I think Dublin they've always kind of because of the rivalry there. I know it's it's Kerry now our main rivalry Mayo for a long time. But Dublin have always looked to make a statement against Mayo because of that rivalry. Yeah. And I think they'll be looking to do Desi Farrell's first game in charge against Mayo. I fear for kind of what might happen to us on Saturday well, night. The new faces. There's Patrick O'Hara who looked like he's a, a tasty enough yeah, player I based off the highlights. You week, mentioned yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not sure. About about the ponytail but we let him away it got roughed up in the yeah, second half yeah, someone must have pulled off it, it yeah, maybe yeah, someone yeah. pulled it off him that would be a right trick to do with a fellow who mm. prides himself on his hair just pull that <laughs> ponytail off him Oshin Mullen Jordan Flynn Brian Walsh 
Ryan O'Donoghue and Tommy Conroy. Tommy Conroy scored a lovely point off Neil McGee. Right bit of stuff, Tommy What's Conroy. Going on? Is yeah. he a right bit yeah, of stuff? He is no unfair. Like Tommy Conroy, Tommy Conroy would have been talked about for a long time. And then what age is he? He's out under twenty. I don't think was he under twenty last year. Himself and Oshie Mullen were brought in last year. Oshie Mullen's still under twenty. Yeah, so they're brought into the camp to kind of give them a flavour of, of what it's like towards the end of the summer, with the idea then that they'd be kind of fast tracked in this summer. So Tommy Conroy, I think, is twenty or twenty one, but he has been known about in Mayo circles for a long time. Last year we talked about the Neil. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce uh, Uttarag because I know you got grief about yeah, the pronunciation. Yeah, they're lynching me over this. <laughs> so before, so he was. I the, think you told me that I, pronunciation. Well, I, I get I, I lynched. Very, of it because I was thinking I was half responsible for that but we won't go there but um, yeah Tommy Conroy was the star of the Neils kind of uh, they won the intermediate in Mayo they only come from junior so it was a big deal for, for the Neil to win that so as well as that he's been he's been known about in underage circles really pacey I would say he yeah. needs to bulk up a little bit but then you're Does. looking at him you're looking at him getting a point off somebody like Neil McGee like a, with his first involvement and then not only that he, like he, he got proper involved as well like you know won a couple of balls around the halfway line too so I think with Oshie Mullins I, I would say the same for Oshie Mullins that like you know I think that people need to be patient with these lads I think that the jury won't be the jury will be out on them for a little while yet but like that geez if he if, if Tommy Conroy has, has a few more cameos like he did against Sonny Gall like maybe that will be fast tracking him to the, the senior team sooner rather than later and what about uh, is it Brian Walsh as a midfielder or is it Flynn which are, is it Flynn to, to, so Brian Walsh was uh, Brian Walsh is <laughs> balanced uh, again, Ballantubber have been the, the best team in Mayo the last couple of years. So a kind of a working wing forward that can take a score. Took a lovely score, actually, against Donegal. Jordan Flynn started against midfield. Mayo were absolutely dominated in the midfield the first half in Bally Buffet. Right. Uh, Tom Parsons has taken off at half time. The unfairness to Tom Parsons, his first proper game back. Uh, he played FPD against Galway, so we'll, we'll kind of, you know. The, we'll, was he wearing we'll, GPS? Was he he possibly was. <laughs> we'll, we'll go easy on Tom for that. <laughs> but Clark, like, Clark didn't help him It was either, Clark's kick outs. It was Clark's yeah. kick outs and the fact that they were being dominated too. So Aidan O'Shea came in, Jeremy O'Connor went back to midfield. Jordan Flynn played wing forward as a kind of working wing, wing forward. He was involved in a lot of scores. So I would imagine that. I think it'll be Aidan O'Shea and Jeremy O'Connor again on um, on Saturday night, whether they're named to start there. And Jordan Flynn could do a job, uh, do a job wing forward as well. But like right. Mayo don't necessarily need hard working wing forwards; they need scoring wing they forwards. They need scoring forwards. James Durkin got one one three one three one three two two. But James Durkin he's not new; he's been around a while. He got a goal against Tipperary in twenty seventeen. He's Paddy's twin brother as well. So like I I didn't think James Durkin had that in him. He's not he's not a prolific scorer at club level like Neil Douglas, his club mate, would be more known for scoring. And he's been given a chance for, yeah. for Mayo a couple of years, but fairness James Zirkin, the way he took it, that step, you know, to get inside two lads, uh, took the fr- took the freeze off Jeremy O'Connor, who kicked two from the ground. I didn't think Jeremy O'Connor had it in him, right. and then it was how gr- could you with the brother well, that's, dominating? That's exactly, it. It. and it was brilliant. Then at the end, um, I can't think who was in. Um, uh, James Durkin's face James Durkin gave away a free to allow Donegal to get three points up and whoever he gave the free away to was in his face you know roaring at him the same fella tried to tackle him just right. before James Durkin got the goal and James Durkin got the goal in him. and I don't think he went back at him either but it was just uh, it was as well as getting equaliser it was a nice yeah. touch to see I'd say it, James Horan said if you have the likes of young guys mm. who did well against Donegal you'd be mad not to play them the next day it's an interesting dynamic that goes on and it's a great position to be in um, Horan was saying Jeez, I don't know, Jerry. Like, I mean, you don't see Desi Farrell experimenting with a whole new... He, he picked nine of last year's All-Ireland team. He picked the strongest team that he possibly could have, you know, based on who was available to him. I suppose in, in um, James Horan's uh, case, where he's coming from, they still haven't won All-Ireland. So the fellas that have been trialled and, uh, and tested, unfortunately, have just fallen short. Very sh- close over the years, but short nonetheless. So it's probably uh, more... What would you call it? He's... Uh, more he's compelled. in the development phase. Yeah, he's in yeah. the development phase. 
I think the challenge with a lot of those younger guys who you've gone through there who did perform pretty well, just I only got to see uh, snippets of the highlights in RTE, but uh, they, uh, those guys will be marked uh, in, in terms of uh, Dublin's planning uh, going into the game this yeah. week. And probably outside of David Clifford, who's obviously unbelievable, um, the challenge to up-and-coming young players is when you do come in and you're getting a point off the lights of Neil McGee, when Neil McGee's marking the next day, they won't be getting as yeah. easy. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. a challenge. I say Neil McGee was looking at, who's this? Who's this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, that yeah. does happen because yeah, yeah. they're an established fella. Neil McGee, at the same age as Neil, and it's great that he's still going. For I like it. But what I really appreciate about Tommy Conroy, you've got Neil McGee. I think he's a four time Ulster now, at least mm. three. To say in your head, here, I'll take this lad on. Yeah. Like that, I like that in him. Because like, yeah. a lot of people go, whoa, Neil McGee, I'm, I, I'm only, I, I, I won't go yeah, past yeah. him. He's too big yeah. and strong. He backed himself to take on a, an established yeah. um, you and know, you do, And you do have to challenge the defender in that case. And where yeah. Donegal, they are still defensive, um, not so much as, as they were under Gallagher and the, um, uh, McGuinness before that. But they are still quite defensive. So sometimes you just have to have a go at these fellas yeah. and, and see how good they are at actually defending one-on-one and... And you guys create an awful lot of champ, uh, chances going and into the game. There was a very strong breeze in Ballyfay as well. And I'd say Tommy Conroy kicked that from, uh, it was a good 30, 35 yards, you know. And uh, But just what you said, and actually, funnily enough, afterwards, he, he didn't quite go into Neil McGee. He gave him the slightest yeah, kind, kind of yeah. nudge. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. let him know he was there, basically. But it's even more confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing I'll say is that, like, uh, hopefully it won't happen again this weekend. But Mayo have had some really bruising encounters against Dublin in terms of like nearly humiliating encounters in Dublin in the league and you'd wonder like about the mental strength of, of some new guys who are thrown in there and then they they might end up just being on the end of a hiding and how that's going to affect their development I'm sure James Horan is aware of that too if he plays too many like the only other, the only thing I'll say about that is that he doesn't have many other options like Keith Higgins came on the last it was just back training Chris Bard Jamie O'Shea aren't ready yet Aidan O'Shea I, as I said I don't think it might have been his plan to throw him because he's just in it's a so he kind of has to how play. well he looks after himself oh yeah big time I would follow him on Instagram he's been away in Vietnam and all for, places for a, long like time, for yeah. a good yeah, while yeah, like, yeah. I mean to come back yeah. not I made, long and I made a huge difference made a huge difference it's the same thing as well with, it always makes a big difference and yeah. gives them that base in midfield and then you have Dublin lads coming back from a team holiday where like you mentioned coming back a stone overweight this is a new breed this is a new breed this is incredible stuff yeah. and, that's, and, the, and that's the point we're making at the start of the show is that off season is so different now to how it was five, six, seven years ago. That guys are doing something. They're not going hard out, but they're definitely doing something. Uh, they're minding the diet. They're having a few points, but yeah. they might they might skip a meal the next day to watch the calorie count. And this yeah. is what guys are doing. And mm. they might do a ten k run once a week, exactly. and they're ticking over, and exactly. they're never yeah. losing it. Like yeah. they're never yeah. losing it. It's yeah. inc- it's incredible stuff. The other big one in uh, who do we fancy? We fancy Dublin lads. Let's be honest. Like yeah. you'd you'd be doing well to see that Mayo team putting it up to that Dublin team the way they performed. Like unless you put more sand on the pitch. The amount of sand burns used to have. I remember I was at the game the last time I played Dublin I've never been as good McHale Park I, like, I, I'll say this to anyone is the coldest stadium yeah. in the country as it is and then the last time we played Dublin it absolutely rained down from the heavens so like we needed it because McHale Park the surface of McHale Park is grand during the summer like I've played a lot of club games like in the winter it's not a great surface for the rest of the time so it's probably needed plus listen they had a bonus that Dublin are coming down make it tricky for you too so. I, I don't well, you probably do remember a couple of years ago when the fog came in at half time that's right yeah. Derek McConnelly had scored I don't know about 10 points maybe not 10 points in the first half and big fog came in game was called off yeah. Pat Gilroy is manager so we all went on the beer we had <laughs> an unbelievable <laughs> yeah. session yeah. the lads ended up in Westport and Newport and all sorts of places and 
and we were staying in Bravey House and the bus leaving at 10 the next morning I knew everyone made the bus just about <laughs> but we went down and played uh, a Sunday week or a Sunday after that and you bet us out the gate I remember that yeah, yeah we that's were right. Yeah. Um, right going in but uh, yeah. we learned a lot from those we had a fog machine at the time the fog <laughs> machine yeah the sand wasn't working so we got the uh, maybe that's where all the money went from those uh, <laughs> yeah. those lads over New York the money gave so much money yeah. they couldn't possibly put fog <laughs> machine on the, on the receipt here <laughs> man. Down to little, but, sure, but sure you go into Little to get bananas and, and a litre of milk and you come out with a lot more so <laughs> you the didn't see fog machine on that receipt that was the problem a load of Jaffa cakes and fog machine <laughs> All right, the other one that oh, look, we'll just give, I just want to give this Kerry Galway men, uh, a mention because the Galway team is picked. Porrick Joyce really looking after us on this, t- on this show, lads. I love when a team's picked daily. <coughs> Damien Comer's in the half forward line. That's the big talking point. It's his first start, she's I think since 2018. And the other big talking point is Ronan Steed. How many times have we mentioned him in the yeah. club? He's play- starting midfield. Again, everything so far Porrick Joyce has been doing I love the look of Damien Comer in the half forward line he can be out of the game too much in the full forward line and he's not an out and out scorer like Shane Walsh Shane Walsh gets five balls it could be five scores Damien Comer might lay off a few mm. it's just changed the dynamic of that forward line completely um, and I, liked, I completely like the look of it and it'd be very interesting to see how Steed gets on at, at uh, senior inter county level yeah, I, I, very exciting to see Porrick Joyce in there with, with Galway and John Dibley um, with him what I really enjoyed about Galway the weekend was uh, they were just more uh, offensive in how they played they were trying to move the ball forward guys running off the shoulder uh, the heads were up they weren't all dropping behind the ball like they were under Kevin Walsh I know probably Kevin was probably cutting cloth to measure but Joyce he would have a more offensive uh, football philosophy being a great forward that he was so I think we're going to see uh, for me a high scoring game I ho- a game I hope so the weekends uh, down in Kerry and yeah. um it's a big ask for Galway to win uh, Joyce still experimenting will Steed be able to up the pace because he's been great for the club he's 28 now I think there is a notable difference between uh, senior club and senior c- county and particularly uh, division 1 senior county the yeah. pace is just that bit higher yeah, yeah. your recovery is less um, the, the guy you're marking is faster stronger uh, your time in possession is that bit less so your 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 decision making process have to uh, improve. So is I, he long in the tooth to change all that in his head? See, I I I don't think we should expect too much of him uh, in his first game. I think it'll be an opportunity for him to uh, experience what it is like playing senior uh, inter county against a top class uh, team like Kerry. But I think if he can have a a kind of a six out of ten game, um, however long he may be on the field. I think that would be a positive for Steve but uh, but I really enjoyed him as a footballer over the years for Corfian so hopefully he makes it Yeah exactly um, Division 2 I want to say the big game is Leash Armagh probably could, might be the most entertaining game um, Leash have a point on the board Armagh have two but there's not as much riding on it I wanted to make a correction about Kieran Lillis I made a balls of this on Monday lads so I went off uh, a few talking points I read on a web- one of the Leash websites and uh, Lillis didn't play full forward at all started in midfield and I was because he got a, he got 1-1 one, one. the 1-1 one, one he got a mark he was in the full forward line from a long ball and the goal he got was at the end from a high ball but he started in midfield and I was annoyed with myself that I couldn't I got something wrong with my own bloody county because I had been texting one of the lads that morning and it didn't even dawn on me to say did Lillis stay in there I was asking him about the work they did it on the marks but anyways did Kieran Lillis himself text you he rang me yesterday he rang me yesterday about another, yeah. about another thing but I'm talking about Lillis playing full forward and he didn't play there at all anyway it's embarrassing but that's the way it goes that's when you're trying to get 16 Gaelic football games and 8 hurling games and you're trying to stay on top of them in the, in the space of a few hours anyways um, so that's that Lillis is in midfield 
and Colin Murphy's in the full forward line with Evan O'Carroll. Well, so in your defence, Willie, the, the Evan O'Carroll girl goal only surfaced, I think it was yesterday. Oh, did you see it? Oh, God, my God, yeah. what a bullet. Yeah. Jesus, the speed he's able to kick a ball yeah. at, yeah. isn't it? It's unreal. And he meant it too. He was going for it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's no doubt about that because he, he has goals in him. Kevin Westmead, Claire Kildare. For men, Roscommon lads probably has the most riding on it because this is Roscommon arguably favourites to come out of it. I didn't. I, I fancied Kildare and Armagh. But Roscommon are away to Fermanagh in Brewster Park. Fermanagh last year beat Kildare, Clare and drew a cork there. Fermanagh were favourites to get out of Division 2 last year until the last uh, game. Declan McCusker was interviewed um, and he said uh, he's talking about Ricey and the continuity with Ricey being in the backroom team last year. And now he's a manager. He says, I think everyone gets on well with him because of his man management. Boys said we wanted the boys said we wanted Ricey involved one way or another for the continuity. Um, we had him for the last couple of years and to just throw it away for, for an entirely new management team. It makes it difficult to push on when you're starting something new again. And then you're starting to think for mana. They're not in people's conversations to get out of Division 2. They mm. almost got out of it last year. Nothing's changing. They have that continuation, continuity. They take the league seriously. Brewster Park is a poxy place to go. And now I'm thinking Ross Common could actually be out of the league after two games. Mm. Well, I was just about to say not, out to, of he- the promotion of the not promotion. to heap too much pressure on Ross Common, but given the way that they... They would, they, if they looked at the, the league before and they would have thought, right, we've got Leash at home, open up, that's probably two points for us. And then they, they would have maybe had this one as one that they might do you know, well to get a point out of or get a win out of. And then they're looking after this. So if they were to lose this weekend, they've won point and then they still have Kildare, Armagh. Um, I tr- I'm trying to think of the other teams in Division 2 off the top of my head, but a lot of good teams in Division 2 left to play and they, they only have a point. Well, Kildare and Armagh are the two big ones. Exactly, and I think yeah. they have them away from and, home. And so they would be in big trouble. If they lose the, against Fermanagh, they're in big and trouble. And if Fermanagh and Kildare win this weekend, they'll have four points on them already. Do you know what I mean? So I know I would have fancied Roscommon to get out. They, they were my favourites to get out of Division, but like if they lose this weekend, I, like, I think that's. I still don't think they're going to get relegated, but I can't see them being promoted, which is a mad thing to say, yeah. I suppose, only after two games. And obviously the two Quigleys aren't there. Uh, Sean pulled out in January and Seamus wasn't there last year I didn't see anything about him committing this year or not I don't know Conal Jones is obviously very important for them and Ryan the midfield they still own Donnelly Aidan Breen Kieran Corrigan Che Cullen Declan McCusker Richard O'Callaghan and Ulton Kelm who is just out of the under 20s who he plays a bit of he plays everywhere but he's a very good player they're a solid division 2 team at the moment Ger, and this is this is a banana skin for us common and they went a point ahead of Kildare after 57 minutes in Newbridge, away from home and Kildare favourites. You know, we know how good Kildare are and have potential to be um, with the lads they had back. So, like, I mean, I don't know. I'm calling Fermanagh to create an upset here. No, I think you'd have to go with Fermanagh. There's obviously the feel-good factor with uh, Royce staying on and, and being manager and um, the performance from the, the weekend gone. And, and I think, listen to McCusker's comments there where you've a... A good man manager uh, who's interested in how the fellas are getting on, probably off the field as well. Guys want to play for him, and it's your first game then in the uh, at home, and you want to make a statement as well. So uh, you'd have to go for man on this one. Yeah. Okay. Division three. It's hard to know what the big one here is, lads. Um, down in Derry, traditionally. But Down and Derry are nowhere near the traditional forces. When you think of Down and Derry, you think, what a great match that'll be. And then you think, is it any different to Offaly Longford? Yeah. If Down and yeah. Derry were in Leinster and Dublin were destroying well, them by 25 points all the time, would you even look at Down and Derry in any way other it's, than it's all surrounds? It's a massive game for Derry after losing last week. And, and a bit like Ross Common, uh, who probably before the season, I, I would agree with you, Connor, would have said, right, here's a possible four points from the, uh, yeah, from yeah. the, from the first <laughs> two games, but all of a sudden they're on one point. And they're going into a tough place like Brewster Park. So they're losing their first game. They're under pressure, I think, yeah. uh, going into this one uh, against 
down. They're not the team that they were, but again, as a Paddy Tal, he's in the second year then with uh, Paddy Tally, yeah, uh, Paddy Tally, yeah. sorry, yeah. So, so uh, those players will have a better understanding of how he wants them to perform. So, uh, it's going to be tough to get a result for Derry um, in Nuri. It was well, like the '94 Ulster final, I think, was a famous one on GA Gold and TJ Gahar, um, Joe Brawley, Anthony Toll. I remember that was on like last summer or something. It was epic stuff. I'd say this will be very far removed from it. Somehow. See, that's why that's <coughs> in my head yeah. down Derry's huge. But like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's yeah. Jesus. Like, you can't keep thinking back to that. Uh, but Paddy Talley was interviewed after the Tipperary game and that game ended up 10-all and you're always thinking like because Down would be a defensive enough team and he blamed it all he blamed it on Tipperary he says Tipperary set up very defensively they obviously have a new manager this year so maybe mm. they are um, with uh, power in there he said they sat behind the ball they're physically very strong but we were the architects of our own downfall at times some of our decision making up front giving the balls away turning balls over it was a tight game and it was very hard on those lads Down are playing a target man Owen McCabe um, up front who's meant to have a sensational leap on him so Paddy Talley is using him in there for marks obviously and also um, like I mean you'd imagine the mark is a good thing when you're playing against a team that's sitting back because you can pop the odd ball in maybe long you know the screen can't cover everywhere you may if you're playing Tipperary and according to Talley they're set up defensively play one big man one side of full forward line the other the other and hit diagonal balls the zonal men can't you know, cover both, and you could get handy scores with the other because t- the defensive team isn't going to put too much pressure on the man kicking the ball. You'd imagine defensive teams have to push out mm. and pressurize the ball further out the field. I and I know you covered it on the league review show on Monday, and, and we talked about it in the in the preview. And certainly, my sentiment on the advance mark is that it's not going to have a big uh, an impact on on the Gaelic football as. Some of the old times you're talking about, um, and I was talking about Paul Geeney's point, uh, sorry, his mark, and Kier, uh, Kilkenny. Kier, like they were two great marks because they were being well marked, and there was a bit of tussle. I think Ty Morley maybe was on Kilkenny yeah. for that one, uh, and it was well worth a mark because yeah. uh, it, was, it, was, it was a great skill to fend off your man and, and kind of yeah. catch the ball. But if you're so tactic, or 50% of your tactic uh, from a attack perspective is to launch diagonal long ball into the the long guy or to, uh, the big guy with enough fellas around him you just stand on his toes while he's not jumping yeah. um, better defenders will be able to manage it um, and for me Kieran uh, Donnelly was the only one and again Tommy Walter said it already before he went to the AFL when those two fellas were playing they were catching uh, an awful lot of ball that was being kicked into him or they were breaking it down to the likes of a huge kind of uh, coming around on the loop so if that's what you're relying on uh, uh, as a down management for uh, your attacking play, I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I would. If you make it too obvious, you know. Obvious, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. if you're talking you about if you're talking about hitting three or four a half, and you might get two marks in either half out of there's four points. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Off mm. that tactic, and yeah. then because they're they're worried about that, they might be covering them too much. Now you have more spare men out around. You know, you have, could get a few handier. How many marks? Because I, I know Donegal like Boyle and the Independence. Yeah. Yeah. I'm allowed to say all of these. I things. can, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can credit. <laughs> but, uh, you can credit uh, other other people, news yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I was just watching all of the games. Donegal Boyle from some paper. I'm not really sure what. But uh, he, he, in fairness, he, he references his other colleagues, but he, he was kind of uh, um, pulling together all the, the match reports. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think there was on average six marks in Division 1, six in Division 2, but there was four. Uh, Leash had four. Uh, Leash had four. <coughs> and then I think maybe there was four and four in Division 3 and 4. Um, so on average, in Division 3 and 4, there's less than, than uh, 
one mark again, yeah. like, you know, which is... is it's not much. It's, it's not, not much. Way, if, they know, ref- so. if they actually refined it and brought it inside to 21, no one would care and give out at all. And that's would exciting. Actually, yeah. yeah, that's exciting. exciting. Yeah. And, and then you stick your big lad in there and yeah. then there's a bit of jostling. Yeah. And, and, and that might happen yeah. twice a half. Yeah. And the crowd could go up off their seat, the traditionalists, and yeah. no one, not one person would complain yeah. about yeah. the mark then. They would yeah. actually like it. The only one I can remember in the Mayo Donegal game was that the the one that's got a lot of attention since the Michael Murphy one. As in like when James Carr got the goal, I think James Carr forgot that he could take a mark because Paddy Jerkin took a shot. Missed yeah. the point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He, he didn't realize oh, yes, that he no, could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. You're yeah. right. But he didn't realize that he could take a mark. Do you know? And yeah. I think I think for the large part, I I nearly got into the habit of forgetting that it actually existed. Do you yeah. know, I I wasn't calling it anyway. I didn't mention it on mark. Monday, but didn't Niall Scully get one in the first half and he bounced it, and the minute he realized, shit, I've lost it now. And, and he gave, gave a pass in. No, he gave a pass in. Yeah. It was just continue play on. You remember that, no? Yeah, and no, you mentioned Turbot on uh, on Monday as well. And I remember Mark he got where he signalled it and then just kept playing on anyway. Yeah, he did, he wasn't given. Oh yeah, he continued on. He was a bit. He was. I think that was literally though. within about within did about a second. Oh, if you put your hand up, yeah. yeah. But Scully didn't put his hand yeah. up. Now okay. Scully just caught it and then bounced it before he t- kind of you know he was yeah. like shit. But anyways, yeah. um, go on to Division 4, lads, because probably the big one here is in Wexford Park. It's on Saturday at 2 o'clock. What a weird time to have a game. Not too bad for players, but not good for supporters at all because we know how many people work on a, on a Saturday. Um, so Wexford home to Carlo. <laughs> huge game for Wexford, huge game for Paul Galvin. They lose this. They're out of the promotion, which is, you know, one of, would, one of his huge targets going mm-hmm. down there. Um, Carlo... Got off to a winning start. Did Paul Broderick sent off to a straight red card after about two minutes? Very out of character for Paul Broderick. Is mm. not that kind of player or that fella. So you always feel bad. And Jerry, you know yourself. You try and provoke a forward, and you, you want him to hit you, or you want him to mm. even drive his elbow back. And the minute that elbow hits you, you're down on the ground. You're you're rolling around. Like, that I mean, that's what, that's what that's what happened. Well, well, I never rolled the ground. No. Again, I know you touched on it last uh, on Monday, and I bloody hate that. Uh, going on well cornerbacks would do that they would goad you into hitting them and then they will go down well well, that's part of it right as a forward you just have to take it and yeah, give yeah. it back and, 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 and Peter Canavan remember listening to him going back to 2005 mm. he was talking about it recently but uh, he said if you didn't look after yourself he said if a back would have gone to walk all over you so you had to give it back to them and eventually they probably do stop annoying you because the back uh, as I have marking fellas when they do hit your back you can appreciate that this fella's tough I'm sure fair enough and you're kind of ball. open yeah so you're yeah. doing it but an elbow back into your stomach you're yeah, not ready yeah, for it because yeah, you could yeah. do it at any time yeah yeah I used to, I used to go arm to the side yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that's clever yeah, yeah. because you're minding yourself I've, always, I've told this story so many times over in America I ended up uh, uh, playing wing back and Lee O'Brien was on the other team and he was wing forward and he, I recognised him so you know when you're with a team you don't know that well mm. and you're like with the other wing back oh what side do you want oh no you, you go <laughs> yeah, you yeah. choose you. <laughs> so I went right well I'll choose here I'll go over and mark that owl lad so yeah. the owl lad turned out to be Gary Mason who won all Ireland's with down and I started trash talking him well he hit me a punch in the stomach and I was so open for I was just there standing behind him trash talking him ah you're finished now sure you're an owl lad now and all this because <laughs> he was destroying me I never forget it and I'll never leave myself open ever after that that stand to the side, yeah. touch yeah, tight, yeah. but not within yeah. striking distance. Yeah, yeah. Didn't he have three points from you in like 20 minutes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I ended up being a sub for, I played with St. Brendan's that year. I was only young. They could only allow three outside transfers. I got such a roast on that day. They were like, we need a new marking defender. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a sub. But anyways, yeah, we'll get back to Carlo here before we finish up. I fancy Carlo probably to win this, even though they are missing uh, Broderick. Brendan Murphy at centre-back is an interesting one. He scored a point. I don't think it'll change Brendan Murphy's role 
all that much being centre half back. The way the game has gone, centre forwards don't hang around or you, you won't have to mark anyone. You pretty much have a free role like he would kind of in midfield, Jerry. Yeah, you're, you're, you're nearly trying to organise your defence around you to make sure you're kind of set up for a ball being lost in your own full forward line. So it's about being a good communicator. But Bendon is obviously a great distributor as well. I've seen that over the years and that he's, now that he's that bit older, um, it might suit him as well that he doesn't probably have to cover as as uh, as much ground, you know. I'd have to go with Carlo in this one as well. Uh, Wexford, tough game up in Antrim. Um, I think they lost by maybe four or five points. Last Six, weekend. I think. Six in the end, end was it? They have a lot of new guys going in there as well, which obviously Paul Galvin is uh, looking to trial out. Um, it is, people have to be probably patient with with, um, with Wexford and Paul and what, what he's trying to do and develop new players because uh, Turok O'Brien is he's in his fourth, fifth season maybe and, and uh, everyone knows what he's about. But again, Carlo, tough place to go, Dr. Cullen Park, you'd have to fancy them taking Wexford. Yeah, the only thing in in Wexford's favour here, this is a local derby and they're home and they wouldn't, Wexford wouldn't oh, sorry, be worried Wexford about, about Wexford. Yeah, yeah, Wexford yeah. wouldn't worry about Carlo in any way. No, absolutely, but I suppose that Carlo having the experience maybe, like, I don't have a whole lot to go on about the reports from last weekend, but just Carlo having been with their experience in Division 3 last year, having got promoted the year before, and just, I know it seems a little bit uncertain in Wexford at the moment, especially, as, as you said, the loss to Antrim last weekend, so yeah, I go for Carlo, even though it is away from home, I go for, for Carlo. Yeah, so. okay, so we'll all go for Carlo. So there's your accumulator, uh, one in each division, we're looking after you here, right? That's always time for we we'll back on Monday and we will talk to you then. Good luck. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, they get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years.